0: On this week's episode of the podcast, Drew tells me that we are talking about Russians and a planned takeover that did not go very well. There are no success stories here, Adam. And and you know what? Failure in a large part is is what this podcast is all about. So buckle up because this is Deadball Brothers. Podcast about soccer and history with a healthy, healthy dose of stupid. We are stupid, and that's what you guys like about us. I think that's that's my running theory about why people listen to this show. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and when I say we, I mean the hosts of this show: me, myself. Everybody's most favorite, freelance, soccer, content maker, cereal eater, and good things enjoyer, Adam Whitaker Snavely, joined as always by my real life brother, Drew Snavely. And Adam, we have a
1: story today that I want to give a shout out to a close, close best
0: friend of mine, Matt
1: Barodi. So shots out for this story.
0: Basically himself a dead ball brother, honorarily speaking, considering how much he was over at our house back in the day when we were all young lads, Matt running around in grade school,
1: 100% an honorary dead ball brother.
0: And I know that, well, that, I mean that, that just counts because mom already calls him like son. So <laughs> that's, that's just what we're just talking family business here. It is. It is nothing new. Just one Very legal, happy family. So shouts out to Matt Brody, uh, Matt, Matt's a Chelsea fan, right? He is a Chelsea fan. So, shouts out currently to, winning. Yeah, shouts out to Matt Brody and shouts out to Chelsea. Uh, Romelu Lukaku turns out pretty good. Pretty good at soccer. Pretty deece. Yeah, that's uh, that's how that goes.
1: <laughs> Probably the best striker in the Premier
0: League, you might say, right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hmm, I'm trying to like run through strikers now in my head. Obviously, the big ol' HK is not uh, still not quite up to speed, I would say, Um, and still maybe not quite up to my club, trust me, yet, (laughs) because (laughs) I definitely tried to leave in the summer forcibly.
1: Well, um, the Spurs just lost like 3-0 to Crystal Palace today, so things are not going well for them at the moment. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, Patrick Vieira's side kind of crushed them. And also, I would be remiss to not mention um, the the this tweet that somebody put out. It was a it was a brand of some sort. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. It was five thirty eight. The the like projections and numbers people, yes. Nate Silver's website that do, they do kind of everything from like sports to politics to to whatever. Um, but they. Did some projection about Tottenham and in the tweet referred to them as the Tottenham Spurs, and I just <laughs> I was like, "Man, that's some good old fashioned, uh, good old fashioned America, that's right so there, America." Oh the my God, Tottenham Spurs—they Americaed so hard. <laughs> they really, really did. But also, Spurs deserve it because they're bad. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and if you're a Spurs fan listening to this episode, I'm sorry, but the truth. Sometimes it will hurt you, but it will set you free.
1: Speaking of London clubs that are bad, Arsenal <laughs> managed to win their first match this season against, against Norwich. Mighty, mighty, mighty Norwich.
0: <laughs> the mighty Canaries.
1: Pulled out a slim one nil victory there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? What what's important to note is that they did it. They did it, Joe. <laughs> you know, they did it on a on a I'm assuming mild, clear day.
0: <laughs> in Norwich. <laughs> Nor- a, a day that was all things considered pretty nice. <laughs> it was pretty okay out there today. <laughs> oh gosh.
1: <laughs> oh, Our man. team's and, managed to uh to squeak th- by
0: some teams that are
1: well yeah, your team pretty
0: terrible. I wouldn't say that your team squeaked by. Your team was We did all right. were there was a couple of shaky moments per se and then you just kind of found found the the proper attacking gear for just dear lord i looked at that lineup and i was like your your defensive midfielders in this are matic and pogba yeah. those are the those are the defenders that we're talking about yeah. in this situation not great so i was like you are just banking on offense and it must be said it worked
1: yeah, honestly, the only thing that I care about, and I already said this to you, was that United managed to win and score enough goals to win without counting Cristiano Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo's goals. So
0: <laughs> I think that I uh, you know. drew not a drew not a taken by the 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 so called magic of Ronaldo back at Manchester United, um, uh, due to due to some things that allegedly occurred in his past, uh, in which he reportedly signed a legal document admitting to said things. We're not here to talk about those things. Yeah. But those are are there, definitely, for sure. Those are there.
1: I'm not down with the uh, sexual assaulters, and I refuse to celebrate his return, regardless of how successful he has been as a soccer player.
0: You're a real one, Drew. You're a real one.
1: Yep. I wish that he wasn't with the team. If anybody was
0: uh, wondering is, my is, stance, it is wild just how much, like, kind of just scot free press he's gotten.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, it's been disheartening to see so many people celebrating it. Um, players that I really like. Because um, from. The club as a whole, there's so many players worth rooting for, so many good guys, and then you just have a not good human being. (laughs) A not
0: good guy, yeah. No, yeah. Coming to
1: your club and all these guys are like, Yeah, like so awesome, can't wait. And there's probably a reason why he hasn't come back to the US since the Sexual, shock, sexual assault charges were pressed so that's yeah. all it's kind of it's kind of where I'm at right now.
0: Those are all probably uh those are all probably things but uh no i think it's good i think that's good to to like say and, and put out there um yeah i don't know I, I i i think that that's just important in general to get a to get a full picture of a full picture of where All United fans are, and not just some, uh, because I think that when you kind of paint the picture of everybody is excited that Ronaldo is back at United, that that's kind of an easy, easy story to tell. uh, And that there is certainly a lot of people that are detractors from that. Uh, We're not here to talk about the easy stuff, baby. We're talking about the hard stuff. We want to be uncomfortable. We're going in on the uncomfort. Uh, Sometimes that's serious and sometimes that's ridiculous and hilarious. This time it is serious in the case of Mr. Ronaldo and the things that he has allegedly done. Uh, But on the other hand, drew you telling me that you have a story of a really, really bad takeover, which is, which, which, which I love. And I think that a lot of people Think about and and enjoy simply because in today's game, it seems like so much of being good revolves around being taken over by some uh, nation state with questionable money practices (laughs) or... like uh, oligarchs that, um, have ties to organized crime and, and a lot of different things of that nature. So I am excited to hear about one that just doesn't work. It doesn't come (laughs) off whatsoever.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm very excited to tell it. I'm surprised that you didn't, or we haven't brought up Dortmund yet. And I didn't know Mm. if you wanted to mention
0: it at all before I got into the story. Uh, Dortmund is trash at defending, but they <laughs> won 4-3 to three, uh, because they have Erling Holland, which is a really good thing, and also Rafael Guerrero, who had kind of a catastrophic day defending, it must be said. Um, he still managed to pull out what was kind of a stunning free kick. Real, real nice stuff. Um, brings to mind once again the... Uh, the argument that I remember seeing a while ago that Rafael Guerrero should be the one taking the free kicks for Portugal and not Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> yes. He's good, He's good at them. Uh, and Cristiano Ronaldo actually isn't good at free kicks. <laughs> not that much. No. No, sir.
1: Uh, whatever. But yeah, I mean, you still pulled out a victory. 4-3. Yep. I mean, that's nothing new, I guess, for Dortmund. Forever the volatile, exciting... High-flying German team, <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, I guess that we can get into the story now. I just wanted you to have your two cents.
0: I, I mean, I, 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 I think that Dortmund and all things are always going to be a, a casual's favorite, simply because they are very good at attacking and not very good at defending. And that is the recipe, you know. That is the recipe for the neutral fans' enjoyment. Uh, for me, it it just needlessly raises my blood pressure to a rate that it should not ever go. Uh, but I, I mean, it, it's a good win from them. They lost to uh, Bayer Leverkusen away last year, um, so that's a it's an important pickup of points. Um, they stay, they're second in the table until I think Bayern Munich is actually just finishing up this game against Leipzig and they beat them, which is oh, a big surprise. <laughs> uh, so I think that actually makes Dortmund third mm. in the table. Uh, yeah, 4 1. Ouch. Sorry, Jesse Marsh. Uh, so yeah, the Bundesliga table right now is Wolfsburg, only perfect team with 12 points from four games. Crazy. Bayern. Ten points from four games. They drew their opening day matchup against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach and Bundesliga debutante on that day, Joe Scali, American kid. Nice. Oh, very fun. Yeah. He came up in the NYC FC Academy with Gio Reyna, same time, same like youth teams and U.S. youth teams that they were both in. Uh, but he played left back, I believe, in that game, even though normally he's a right back and did really, really well. Nice. Huh. Good job. Good and then him. Dortmund, and then Dortmund and Mainz with nine points from four games. So right. still relatively close to the start of the season. Uh, hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully, something different happens. I just don't want Bayern to win, man. But <laughs> anybody that mean—the life of a Bundesliga fan is like, ah, oh, man. I hope Bayern doesn't win this year. <laughs> Unless you are a Bayern fan, uh, that's I, how that goes. That's all I have to say about I Borussia Dortmund. on This be, day,
1: I feel like life has to be born as a as a Bayern Munich fan. There's no struggle. You know, there's only you know, you would good titles, but I'm sure you're know you good winning all
0: the time. You would think that, uh, and I would hope to think that uh, you know, when my team wins a trophy, uh, like they did in the DFB Pokal last year, uh, it feels way better because it's so spread out. And I imagine that teams of uh, fans of even worse teams than mine uh would probably feel way better than I did. Uh, winning the Pokal because my team still wins trophies with some, uh, you know, some frequency. Dortmund do, uh, yeah. but um, but yeah, it's probably not. Honestly, they probably feel just as good as I do when they win, <laughs> and, they, and that that kind of sickens me. But yeah. but I digress, <laughs> and we are not here to talk about the present. We are here to talk about the past. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And
1: Adam, my story today is more recent history, and so I want to begin with a question. And that question is, does the name F.C. Anzi Makachkala? (laughs) Is that all one word? Is that
0: multiple words?
1: So it's Anzi is one word, then Makachkala is the other
0: word. Um, Ringing bells. It, it does not. It sounds okay. very Russian, but it does not ring a bell for me. F.C. Anzi Makachkala
1: is the name. F.C. Anzi Makachkala. Of the story that I'm going to tell today. From Russia. <laughs> so, F.C. Anzi Makachkala is located in Makachkala, which is
0: that the capital.
1: Sense. Yes. The capital of the Republic of Dagestan. Okay. which is in Russia.
0: Is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where in Russia is that? So it's right on the Caspian
1: Sea in Eastern Europe. It's, okay. Uh, it borders Georgia and Azerbaijan. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And that kind of makes it, um, that, that's the big reason why Makachkola is one of the most ethnically diverse cities in Russia, where- Oh, that would make sense. Ethnic Russians are actually a minority. Interesting.
0: Yeah. That, okay. So that is, that is, that is. It's always kind of weird to think about Russia in terms of how how big it is, and necessarily that means it is so ethnically diverse. Yeah. Um, that's, that's always. I don't know because we tend to. I don't know media. I guess <laughs> that has conditioned me to to treat the Russians as a monolith, and they're all like just these kind of nondescript white Eastern European looking people, which is not the case because there is a lot of regions in Russia that are much more European and there's a lot of regions in Russia that are much more Asian and a lot of more regions that are much more kind of middle Eastern. So it is, it is a, just a massive, a massive country.
1: It really is. And all of this ethnic diversity as well as um, just certain beliefs that these different ethnic groups, different ethnic groups hold make it a little bit more dangerous with the conflict between the groups. Um, Sure. a little bit more violence in that region of the world.
0: Well, you you know, Drew, if I know one thing about Eastern Europe is that (laughs) violence never occurs. (laughs) Never, never. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So Makachkala is actually
1: considered one of the dangerous places in Russia because of that. Um, So that's just something important to note. Um, as we get into this story. Something to remember. Sure. definitely. <laughs> so FC Anzi Makachkala was founded in 1991, a relatively young club in the grand history of soccer. Only 30 years old this year, I guess. Which,
0: oh, it's like an MLS team, basically. Yeah,
1: basically. So the club joined the Dagestan League the same year In 1991, and won the league, going unbeaten over 20 matches with 16 wins, which is about as yeah, it's about as good of a start as you could ever ask for. Yeah, for real. Then, also in 1991, we have the dissolution of the Soviet Union, which is very ah,
0: Soviet Russia, it goes away.
1: So. Mikachkala entered the Russian second division, which is the third tier in the country, because they have the second division, the first division, and
0: the Russian Premier League. So wait, 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 wait. Was Dagestan not was it not a part of the f- Okay, I'm trying to like because there was there was the the USSR, but then there were then there was like the current and former countries that also formed the Soviet bloc. And some of them were kind of like treated almost like their own countries within the USSR and some of them weren't. So was Dagestan like traditionally part of Russia, do you know? Or was it more of a, um, was it more of a, like, this was its own place first before it was part of Russia?
1: So I don't know if it was its own place. The fact that, it's the Republic of Dagestan makes me feel like it was its own okay. place and it was a part of the Soviet bloc. But when the Soviet Union disbanded, Russia was like, we're keeping you.
0: It has been a long time since global <laughs> history for me because I, I didn't end up taking any in college. So literally since high school. So I, I some of the details are fuzzy for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're fuzzy for me too. And I was just reading about it. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the Cold uh, War. Yeah. Yeah. So they originally, they were in the Dagestan League, um, which makes me feel like they were kind of in their own, they were doing their own thing and then the Soviet Union disbanded and Russia's like, you're still a part of, you're, you're a part of Russia now and um, your club can join our, Football league, essentially, and so that's sure. exactly what Anzi Mikajchula did. So they entered the Russian second division, like I said, the third tier in the country. Yeah. Um, and in 1993, they ended up winning the division, but due to a restructuring of the Russian soccer, a restructuring <laughs> of the Russian soccer tiers, they remained in the second division.
0: No promotion. No them.
1: promotion for them.
0: None whatsoever.
1: Makachkola won the league, or they didn't win the league. They finished in second place in 1996, three years later, which earned them a actual promotion okay. to the first. So we had
0: to had to do it twice, but we, we got there in the end.
1: Yes, yes. So they moved up to the second tier, which is the first division. Yeah. In 1999, another three years, the club won the first division, earning their first ever promotion into the Russian Premier League.
0: A classic, a classic tale of, <laughs> we've seen this all the time, yeah, of yeah. teams teams going from rags to riches, from the depths of England to the Premier League, from the Soviet Union to the Russian Premier League.
1: <laughs> exactly. The Dagestani League to the Russian yep. Premier League. <laughs> Indeed. Unfortunately, after three seasons at the top flight, Makhachkala was relegated back down to the first division in 2002. Okay. They spent seven more seasons in that second tier before winning the league once again in 2010, sending them back into the Russian Premier League once again. Okay. All right. All right. The club finished in an uninspiring 11th place in their first season back, but they had a lot to be excited about for the upcoming season, because on January 18th, 2011, FC Anzi Makachkala was purchased by Suleiman Karamov. Karamov, okay. as you could probably guess, yeah. because we already kind of talked about it, just happened to rich be guy. a Big Russian rich guy. billionaire businessman looking uh-huh. to follow the suit of many other stupid rich dudes at the time <laughs> and turn around a historically mediocre soccer club.
0: Yeah you you make it your passion project it's, it <laughs> becomes what you're all about and it and it lets you uh lets you sports wash <laughs> which is important for any billionaire with like political ties which is pretty much every billionaire in Russia and most billionaires in America too yeah um helps you just kind of gives you a, a nice little squeaky clean facade to <laughs> hide all the dirty stuff that's that's definitely there
1: absolutely <laughs> so let's get to know Suleiman Karimov a little bit, because okay. I didn't really know anything about him, and I'm assuming a lot of other
0: people don't know much about him. I legitimately have never heard this person's <laughs> name. Or if I have, I do not remember it whatsoever. So I'm, I'm interested. So
1: Karimov served in the Soviet Army from 1984 to 1986,
0: because... That's, a, that's another big Russian billionaire thing. <laughs> well, it was mandatory, yeah, well, yes, but but also it, it feels it's just funny to me that it's like, oh, uh, every single one of these guys were like, "Oh yeah, I served in the military." <laughs> <laughs> it's true.
1: After he was done serving for the Soviet army in 1986, he went on to finish a degree in accounting and economics from Dagestan State University, which is funny. Because it sounds very American. Dagestan State University sounds like if it wasn't Dagestan, if it was just like Dodge State University, Dodge State,
0: <laughs> Dodge State, baby, Dodge State. <laughs> That's a it's a it's a small local college that has a has a a rivalry, a historic rivalry with Dodge University, which is also really really small. It's a real Alfred State, Alfred University situation.
1: <laughs> it's true. It really is. <laughs> oh gosh. So Karamov's first job out of college was as an economist for an electrical plant that paid roughly $250 a month, which isn't a lot even back then. True. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> he quickly rose rank, though, at the company and became soon became the deputy director general. In this position, Karamov was in charge of relations between his company to a Moscow bank called FedProm Bank, which Fed was bank. a bank that was actually established by the electrical plant company um, for their employees um, and really anybody else that wanted to invest with that okay. bank. Yeah, In 1995, Karimov became the head of banking for Soyuz Finance, which was a... Trading company um, that dealt with oil, essentially.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: Two years later, in 1997, he had built a 50% share in an airline company, which he used to leverage to take over Fed Prom Bank by buying okay. out his partner's shares.
0: Yeah, we're, we're getting to the, some of the juicy stuff now. <laughs> now we now we're knowing what's going on. We
1: are. <laughs> Uh, over the course of the following decade, Karamov continued to buy stakes of oil and energy and precious metal companies getting V rich in the process. I mean, if you want to get super rich pretty quick, I guess becoming, um, an investment in all of these, uh, becoming an investor in all of these different companies is a good way to go. Um, as long as you don't really have a moral compass and <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't have any ethics at all.
0: No, that that's <laughs> always a, an important part, uh, an underestimated <laughs> part of being a businessman is your lack of care for literally everything and everyone besides yourself.
1: <laughs> uh, it's so true. In 2007, Karamov, along with some of his business associates, saw the world ec- economic crisis coming and soon... Uh, and stood to lose a lot more financially with his investments in Russia than he would if he invested his money in other places. So he began investing in companies like Morgan Stanley, Goldman um, Goldman Sachs, and Deutsche yeah. Bank. Mm-hmm. So just a just a few small companies. <laughs>
0: just just some real some real like a low tier, you know, some real feel good stories about some underdogs that are just you know <laughs> trying to claw their way to the top.
1: Yes. The sizes of these investments were undisclosed at the time, but reported to be in the billions. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Karimov
1: <laughs> had so much money invested in the American economy that the U.S. Treasury Department called him during some of the worst days of the financial crisis in uh, 2007, 2008, and uh-huh. asked him to hold on. Please, please, please hold on to your stakes.
0: Ooh, that, he- that, is, that feels good right there. That <laughs> makes me feel good. Doesn't it? (laughs) That's how you know that things are going well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Suleiman Karimov continued to invest as the world attempted to move past the 2007-2008 financial crisis and predictably continued gaining more power and wealth. According to Forbes, Karimov is one of the most private Russian billionaires And is described
0: as a Russian Warren Buffett. Okay. Um, So really keeps to himself every once in a while. Does an interview where he like says some things like, I wish we hadn't done this. And I'm like, who is we? It's all about you, my man. (laughs) He hasn't had
1: an interview in the last 20 years. And over the last 20 years, nobody Dude, that's the
0: way to do it. That's the way to do it. (laughs) Especially if you're one of these just like investor ghouls that doesn't care about anybody and anything and like is actively destroying the planet probably with like your holdings and the things that that you're investing money in the way to do it is just to not talk to anybody i do not understand all these super famous wealthy people that just feel the need to be liked because nobody's ever gonna like you it's so nobody liked you elon musk no like 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 it's not gonna happen. It's never going to happen. Just go and enjoy your oodles of money somewhere <laughs> far away from any and every reporter.
1: <laughs> it is the way to do it. Absolutely. Excuse me. I just kind of Excuse hurt. you. <laughs> oh gosh. This Laquoise uh really hitting me dirty. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> as recently as twenty twenty, Karamov was the richest businessman in Russia for a period. So this dude has lots of power, lots of money. We got that established. Yeah. Now let's talk about the investment we are all here for, the rise and fall of FC Anzi Makachkala.
0: And we are back from our commercial break. Drew, you were just telling us all about Suleiman Karamov and not Karamazov, which is which is the last name of characters from my favorite novel. What novel um, is that? Uh that's called The Brothers Karamazov oh. by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Well, ah. eighteenth well, slash nineteenth century, I think eighteenth, eighteenth century literature, Russian literature for you. Very right fun. There. uh it's, it's really, really been difficult. I really had to, like, focus on saying Karamov and not adding the Z, <laughs> the, extra, the extra syllable in there with the Z, because that's immediately what I think of. But you were just telling us about Suleiman Karamov and how he has oodles and oodles of money, way too much to know what to do with at this point, and he decided he's going to try out the whole soccer club ownership thingy. Absolutely, Adam.
1: Dude's a billionaire. Suleiman Karimov, and in 2011 he purchased FC Anzi Makhachkala. and the club were in the middle of their first season in the back in the Russian Premier League in the last seven years. So
0: yeah, so so like in in terms of like competitive balance, they've been they've been kind of yo-yoing a little bit. Yes, absolutely from from the Russian Premier League and the second division in Russia. So relatively speaking. We're talking about our, our Norwiches, our Watfords of the world, uh, some of those teams that tend to bounce around between the championship and the Premier League in England, per se, uh, which I think is I, I, I feel comfortable in saying that the championship is probably the, the most well-known second division in the world, probably. Yeah. Um, so so some of those teams
1: yeah, I, I really couldn't have put it better myself, Adam, so thank you.
0: You're so welcome. (laughs) Just doing your
1: job for you. When a billionaire takes over a new soccer team, I think it's nearly like 100% conversion rate for that billionaire to promise to spend hundreds of millions of dollars to (laughs) make the club successful. Uh and, well, you and can't, a European power, right?
0: You can't you can't like be like, oh, I am a billionaire that's taking over, you know, like uh, Swansea City while they are, you know, millions of dollars in debt. And you know what I'm gonna do? Keep spending the exact same amount of money they had been all along. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you're just gonna get run out of the club that way. It's true. It's true. And Karamov
1: was no exception. I will say though, that he bought his hometown club. I mean, Dagestan is where he went to school. It's where he grew up. That is true. Um, I mean, uh, Makachkala is the capital of Dagestan. So, I mean, it's it's a... I don't know. I feel like you see entire countries buying clubs, Kof cough, cough, like PSG and Man City. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. That don't really have... Uh, a stake in the history of the club, but for Karimov, it this was a, a personal purchase, even if it was an investment of sorts. So I, I did want to kind of differentiate
0: a give, billionaire give him,
1: taking over a club.
0: <laughs> give him, give him a little bit of props. Give you know, well, he did, at least he took over his hometown club. It's not <laughs> like he went
1: in and bought Arsenal, right?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Good Arsenal burn, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. It was subtle. It was subtle, and it took me a second to actually get it. Uh, But I I just wanted to make sure that that is recognized that you are comparing Arsenal to the Norwiches of the world. Oh,
1: man. So in 2011, Karimov was the 36th richest person in the world at the time. And did not waste any time pumping money into Makatcha Club. A couple hundred million dollars were invested in a brand new stadium for the club, which nice is great and really important if you have European ambitions because you have to hit certain requirements that UEFA lays out to host oh, European matches. Yes, and yes, yes. Karamov has, has his sights set high for the team, and so he's mm-hmm. like... We are going to play European matches, so we are going to have a stadium that can host them. Yep. In February of 2011, Makachikala um, made their first significant signing, a 38-year-old by the name of Roberto Carlos. Oh! <laughs> um, color Call- <after> me surprised. <laughs> um, that season ended with a best-ever fifth-place finish for Makachkula, their best ever. That summer, Makachkula signed a a person by the name of Samuel Eto. Have you you heard of that
0: guy? (laughs) Have indeed. (laughs) Uh, Have indeed heard of him. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, The club
1: handed him a world-record salary at the time of 28 million euros a year. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah.
0: That's a... That's a, what. What year is this again?
1: This is 2012, summer of
0: 2012.
1: 2012. Yeah, he he had they. He had transferred there from Inter. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, Eto joined a handful of new players who are a little less known, um, but still signed lucrative contracts because Bocachkula has all this money to spend now. Sure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Gus Hiddink became club manager in
0: 2012. Oh, two use <laughs> <laughs> Two use <yous>, Gus.
1: <laughs> and his first signing was Blackburn Rovers' Chris Samba for 12 million pounds. Lucina Triore was bought for 20 million euros after that. Willian, who you may have heard hey, of, another hey. Brazilian, was bought from Shakhtar and they spent around 30 million euros on him.
0: Shakhtar, another one of those clubs that just seems to find all the young Brazilians and bring them to their club, it must be said. It is true. I feel like Shakhtar always has like three or four just like up-and-coming Brazilian dribbling gods (laughs) on their squad. It is true. (laughs) It's like a, it's it's the
1: pipeline, you know, like... um, I feel like for Americans it, it's really the whole Bundesliga at the moment. And yeah, ma- maybe um, you could you, say it an argument for Dortmund as the main pipeline for
0: US prospects, but yeah, Americans Schachtler, going to Germany, uh and Mexicans going to Spain and Brazilians going <laughs> to Ukraine, Ukraine of all places. <laughs> it is crazy. <laughs>
1: Uh, So Hiddink led the club to a third-place finish in 2012-2013 season. So fans have to be thrilled, right? They're in third place. They have all these great new players. It doesn't even matter that Roberto Carlos just retired because he's old anyways, and he's basically (laughs) 40. And um, we just finished third, and it's our best season ever that we've ever had in the Russian Premier League we can only go up from here, right? This is next season is our season.
0: Like- Roberto Carlos, it must be said, at that age, that's a real like, uh, that's a real J League signing. Oh if yeah, I've absolutely. ever seen one. Absolutely, uh, J League, uh, maybe some clubs in Saudi Arabia, uh, some Chinese Super League teams. Yeah, uh, one of those, one of those ones. Yes. Yeah. I mean, MLS. <laughs> M- M- he- he MLS. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I wasn't going to say it. I thought about it, but I wasn't
0: going to. Man, you remember when the LA Galaxy bought Steven Gerrard and we're like, yeah, you know what we should do? We should buy mid to upper 30s Steven Gerrard and play him in Southern California. (laughs) That seems like a good idea. Uh, Yeah.
1: I guess you could say the same thing about like Andrea Pirlo and... Frank Lampard was decent
0: for like a season, at least Frank Lampard scored goals too. I think it was, I think, I think Stevie G was the, the most prominent, one of the most prominent and worst designated <laughs> player signings of that era. Uh, he was so washed. <laughs> it was, he was, oh man, he, he went to, he did, he straight up went to LA to, to get in pools. Yeah, that was it. Like he, he was taking a bath. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh uh, gosh, gosh, Gosh. <laughs> oh go. my g- hot Gossip. Gosh. <laughs> 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 uh, Back to McAchkala. Let's go. Yes. So just as it
1: looked as if McAchkala was going to take the next step into becoming a Russian powerhouse, a staying power in the league cracks quite suddenly began to form um, and not like small cracks, like really large cracks, <laughs> like chasms. <laughs> yeah. Uh. The first probably being Gus Hiddink resigning that same summer in 2013 <laughs> right yeah, after Makachkala finished in third. Um, his replacement, okay. Renee all right was sacked just 16 days after. Oh, boy. Uh, just 16 days after he was on the job, after he started the job. So not, not great. Um, strangely, Karimov seemed to be pulling his funding from the club as the club's highest-profile stars were being sold. Um, yeah,
0: Drew, this is this seems less like cracks and more like... Do um, you remember the movie San Andreas starring uh, <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson? It's a really, really awful movie. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking of here.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. So Yuri Zirkov... Igor Denisov and Alexander Kokorin were sold to Dynamo Moscow. The latter of the two had only been with the with the club for a combined two months. They had literally just signed with the club and were sold weeks <laughs> later. <laughs> okay. They were all sold that summer. Eto and Willian were sold to Chelsea in the January 2014 window. Nice. After finishing third in the... 2012-2013 season. Makachkala finished last place.
0: Oh my In 2014.
1: Gosh. Okay. And we're subsequently relegated.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> but okay, okay, is 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 Suleiman like not a billionaire? Like what's he, what's up? Did he just is he is he just decided he's bored now? Uh, I'm I'm a little confused. So, remember how
1: I said that Karamov was a really private dude. Yes, like nobody really knows why he just suddenly decided to sell everything. Uh, I mean, there are people that are saying that he was tired of losing money; that it wasn't the investment wasn't worth it. Uh, there are others saying that it was health reasons why he stepped away. Um, okay, but but it's just a grand mystery. Yeah, nobody really knows why he began to sell everything and everybody and
0: the hidden Russian billionaire that completed like years one through two of the Manchester city plan. He was, and then, and then just abandoned it completely. He was on the precipice of glory. Of Russian yeah. glory. And he got he got to the point of the, the Manchester City arc where it's like, okay, now we have to like sell off Sean Wright Phillips because we're legitimately getting a ton of way better people. And then he just didn't do that part. <laughs> exactly. So Karimov cut his losses with the club and sold it in
1: 2016, two years after they were relegate, relegated um for the first time. The club So like a
0: solid five years. Yeah. Five years of the club. Basically.
1: Jeez. Well, yeah, yeah, five years. So tough scene. The club got back to the Russian Premier League in 2015, the year after they were relegated the first time. Oh, so good for them, it wasn't terrible, but that's one more season, and Karimov completely cut ties with the club. So oof, <laughs> they were relegated back in 2018. To the second yeah, not division. much
0: chance, not much chance when daddy's gone away.
1: And in the 2019-2020 season, before it began, Mikashkola failed to obtain a license from the Russian football union, <laughs> moving okay. them down to the third tier, or they had the chance to declare bankruptcy. They decided to play soccer. They wanted to let the boys <laughs> play. And they literally let the boys play because they couldn't sign any new players. And they they had mainly um, U23 players playing for the first team. Oh, (laughs)
0: gosh. Jeez.
1: So, Anzi Makachkola is still playing in the third division in Russia. And they're still unable to register any new players due to their current outstanding debts and terrible financial situation. Yes. to this day, still to this day,
0: good Lord,
1: yeah, so let's let's learn today, <laughs> let's conjecture a little bit here okay' like all where right. where did it all go wrong, and so I think it was I think it was a financial reason why he stepped away from the club. He's still mega rich, I mean, I said in the first half of this podcast that. And uh, as recently as 2020, he was the wealthiest businessman in Russia at the time. Sure. So, I mean, he's not struggling financially, but I, I just think that he was pumping so much money into the club and it got a little unsustainable. Surprise, surprise. Right? Yeah. It's, it's like well, Real and, Madrid Real Real Madrid vibes.
0: <laughs> and also it's it's one of those it's one of those situations where yeah, Real Madrid vibes who cry poor before offering 180 million for Kylian Mbappe <laughs> whatever. Um it, it's it's also one of those situations where you're so rich that your like your net worth and how much money like quotation marks how much money you have or you're valued at can like change really really wildly um in a very short amount of time like you you still be mega rich but it's like one of those things where it's like oh yeah jeff bezos was worth you know x amount of billion dollars today and then two days later like something happened with the stock market or something. And his net worth has gone down $3 billion, yeah. which is still like, it still puts him at multiple billionaire <laughs> status, like multiple, I can't spend all this money in my lifetime if I tried, <laughs> but I'm losing an amount that would end world hunger at the same time. Yes. Um, so, so maybe he, he got hit with some sticker shock from the pandemic, possibly uh, tanking some, some investments that he has and he, uh, he just kind of pulled out of the club. I also wonder if with how private you say he is, if he just kind of grew uncomfortable with being even passively in the spotlight. Yeah. That's, that's certainly a, a possibility because when you're, when you do that to a club, you, you necessarily, it's like, it's kind of like Roman Abramovich, right? Like, you the club kind of becomes a little bit synonymous with you yes um it becomes your baby it becomes the thing that people think of when they think about you and if the club is or is not doing well that puts you in the spotlight and not just the team and the players and the coaches it also puts you the owner and so for a guy who you know hasn't given an interview in 20 years, I can see why that's not necessarily a great thing or a desirable thing.
1: It's true. And you're making really good points and that could easily be the reason why. I, yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. The reason why I think it's more of a financial move is just because he saw the business model and he saw after he pumped all of this cash into this team, and they were being successful. They finished third place, and they still weren't turning a profit. That well, sure, <laughs> he was like, okay, time to probably time to get out, and that's why he sold the club in 2016. I think apparently during Karamov's reign, the club didn't actually live in Makhachkala. Oh. They. Trained and lived in Moscow, which oh. is a three hour flight to oh makakola for game days for 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 home <laughs> matches
0: okay all right <laughs> and so basically he was just kind of giving his players the little luxury treatment of I don't even uh, will be in the big city it's kind of like it's almost like yeah like uh. <laughs> Yeah, you're playing uh, for the Buffalo Bills, but don't worry. We're going to live in New York City. You (laughs) won't have to live in western New York. I mean, Makachkala is a
1: big city. I mean, there are almost a million people that live there. But it's very dangerous. And I think a lot of players didn't want to be around that. And so that (laughs) was a selling point from Karamov. Like, look, you don't even have to live here. You can live in Moscow where it's safer there I mean, it's that's widely wild. reported that Makachkala is um a over, dangerous city. It's a dangerous city and it's overrun by like private security um oh, companies. Ooh, and so that's that's spooky. Yeah, it's creepy. Um but
0: apparently it's a cool city to visit. I don't know okay. if I'll ever go there, but <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna guess I probably never did. I'm gonna I'm gonna make that that prediction.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so
0: I, I think that
1: it was that model that made it um undesirable even for a billionaire businessman. Sure. That, that makes sense. Bought his hometown club and sold it in twenty sixteen and is now in financial ruin in the year of our Lord 2021. Twenty twenty one. So Karimov is still um, playing a very quiet role in life, really. I mean, he's sure. staying out of the spotlight for the most part. He was part of a group of oligarchs sanctioned by the United States in 2017 by then-President Donald Trump. But I'm pretty sure it was probably just the political move. I didn't read too much into it because I was like, eh. I mean,
0: when is the United States not sanctioning foreign billionaires <laughs> somewhere?: It's true, in a, in a traditionally not allied country of ours. And I believe it was in 20, 2018
1: that Karimov was arrested by French authorities, actually, when he was in France for a tax evasion or tax fraud mm. uh, case, but he posted a 20 million dollar euro bail to get out and has since not returned to France, of course.
0: Yeah, that's how, that's how that goes. <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, I've mean, i already mentioned him uh, once or twice already, but it's kind of like how Roman Abramovich still can't go watch Chelsea games in England. It's true. It's very true. <laughs> uh,
1: gosh. So, I mean, that's kind of the current state of Suleiman Karimov and the current state of...
0: FC Anzi Makachkala
1: and wow. it's rise and fall.
0: Yeah, I, Drew, I can't think of a more apt a, a, a person of the times um, than a billionaire who tried to spend a lot of money and tried to go out and do something big, and then when the pandemic around when the pandemic hit, he realized that he would rather just be at home surrounded by absolutely no one whatsoever. <laughs> He's not trying to conduct Zoom calls. He's not trying to do anything. Really, for a, for a billionaire that is sanctioned by national governments and is possibly a wanted man in places, uh, he's really just like us, you know? Oh, my gosh. He's <laughs> exactly like all uh, of us. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, some sources, thank you.
1: Thank you, Jerry, for the story. Some sources for the story are Mitchell Wills from 90 Minutes, Uh, Forbes in their profile of Suleiman Karamov, Rob Hoskins from Give Me Sport and Transfer Market for all of the transfer activity that happened with um, uh, Makachkala during Karamov's reign.
0: Heck yeah. So if you're interested in learning even more details about what our story was about today, you can always check out some of those sources, use the old Google machine, find out what we're talking about because... Basically, everything that we do has a pretty healthy backing of journalists who have put in a lot of work. Um, so we always make, want to make sure that we're giving them the credits uh, for the reporting that they do. And if you're interested in learning about more, as always, you can go check them out. If you're interested in supporting our podcast more and want to hear more from us uh slash just get more content from us in general you can do that by first of all leaving a rating and review on the podcast that helps us out greatly if you would do that on apple Podcasts, it would be mucho appreciated also you can follow us on our social medias we are at deadball pod pretty much everywhere on twitter on instagram with facebook uh and if you have anything you want to email us comments, suggestions, questions, story ideas, anything at all, we are deadballpod at gmail.com. If you're interested in merchandise from us, we are also uh, we also have that. Uh, we have a link to that in the Teespring store. Down below, we have a hoodie. We have t-shirts. We have a long sleeve shirt. They're fun. We like them a bunch, especially if you like the color pink because that is used <laughs> prominently in a lot of our branding. Uh, and I think that is all. Yeah, I think I, I got I, it. I think you got it. So, as always, we love you. We thank you so much. We want to praise you for listening to this podcast <laughs> episode. And as always, my name is Adam Whitaker-Snavely. And I'm Drew. And we will see you again very soon.